Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bail, bail, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tau I'll make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy Never think about the drop, never ever ever think about the drop Welcome to it, sports fans. It is the MKT Show. I'm MKT. I am MKT. What a weekend of football. Premier League's back. Thank goodness that international football nonsense is over. Time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Manchester United have just defeated Everton. Um, 3-0. What a performance. Didn't play well, but this is what the good teams do. Man United are rolling. They are rolling. Uh... Alejandro Granado is how I imagine a very Spanish person would say his name has just scored. Listen, it's a very good goal, but it's um, short goalkeeper syndrome. If you've been listening to the show for years, you know I hate a goalkeeper that's shorter than six foot five. And you saw it today; it didn't go in the top corner. But what a goal! What a goal! Definitely goal of the season. No one's going to score a goal better than that. The technique—it's—it's. It's the poor man's Gareth Bale in the Champions League final, except Gareth Bale had to climb like a foot higher. And that, that one was top bins. That was, that was proper. But what a goal, they say. Don't know if they say SA in Uruguay. Or no, Argentina. Eh? They don't say SA in Argentina. They don't. It's a, it's a Mexican thing filtered into my brain by America. Great goal. Great Goal. What are we talking about today? We are going to talk. Um, it, it's all about their, their football. It's all about, uh, you say, primarily, you know, because that's back, obviously. So I want to talk about why Liverpool are good again. Watch them against Man United. Um, and it struck me as I was watching. I thought, oh, they've had such high turnover. They're going to struggle. But it really struck me what, what separates them and Chelsea. So I want to talk about why Liverpool are good again. And this quickly, and then obviously, as I do every single Monday, tell you where I was right, tell you where I was wrong. Um, MKT at the MKT show is um, if you want to get in the mailbag, otherwise, MKT inspires on the socials. On the socials, hope you had a good week, good year, good whatever it was. You know, if you if you are or you have a concubine, you know. I hope that went well. Hopefully your partner doesn't find out because obviously that'd be awkward unless they know and you guys are in that situation who's judging. Whatever you're doing, the point is, whatever you're doing, I hope you did it well and I hope you're having a good time. Uh, Incredible weekend. It's somewhere where I live, South Africa. Um, It's about 35 degrees during the day, which is glorious, but I don't have a swimming pool where I live anymore, which is not, it's not optimal. I'm going to have to find a solution. Maybe might be worth it to get a short term, a loveless situation where she's got a swimming pool. You know what I mean? I mean, I, listen, 
people go, oh my God, that's so terrible. We live in a transactionary world. Why is it ridiculous to shack up with someone for three months while it's dramatically hot versus any other thing? You know, I'm not sure what I'm bringing to the table. Nothing, to be honest. But she's got a swimming pool. Don't have a swimming pool where I am. Incredibly hot. Um, so, yeah. But that is what it is, you know. Not everyone can have a swimming pool is basically the lesson here. And if you want a swimming pool, marry for money in the first relationship. A friend of mine, Rosie Cohen, always says, first marriage for money, second one for love. I'm starting to understand what she means. I would have a swimming pool right now. At my old place, I had a swimming pool. My new place, I do not. It is it is blisteringly hot in Africa. But I love the sun. Went out with um, went out with someone on Saturday. We went to a market. It was 35 degrees. That was incredible. So it's good. I, I, I love summer. People are telling me they like the cold. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? So I'm in, I'm in my season. I've got to tell you. Summer, you know, shorts, summer drinks. I'm out there. Really, I got like once a week, you know, especially now. Definitely going to be brunching. Brunch o'clock. For those who don't know, I don't go out after like, I'm not, I'll see you out at 10 o'clock, guy. No, no, no. I, I, catch me for lunch, brunch. Especially now, terrace vibes, about to get electric in Johannesburg, South Africa. Will I be in Cape Town? Absolutely not. More and more people are asking me, are you going to be in Cape Town in December? I might be in Cape Town for some work throughout December, but can't focus in Cape Town. It's, a, it's, a, it's carnival time. It, it's, it's carnage out there. A guy like me, I've got to focus. And I don't do well in Cape Town because I just, I, just I just get into Cape Town life. I can't have it. Can't have it. All right, um, let's get into the show. Incredible performance by Man United. What a goal. Alejandro Janajo. What a goal. See, muy bueno. What an incredible goal. You, you know what else struck me about Ganacho? But I've been saying this since the beginning of the season. It's And it's not oh, a recency bias thing. And it's not about output. It's just about watching the game... And fans know what's going on. Ganacho now is better than Rashford has ever been. Right? He's about to turn 20 years old. Marcus Rashford is being paid £350,000 a week. You know, the one thing about Rashford, I think you've got to view him as a striker that just happens to be playing on the left wing. I think that's the new perspective you have to have on him because you can't say, oh, he's not dropping back. But I don't think Rashford sees himself as a winger. I think in Rashford's mind, he sees himself as a striker who's being forced to play out wide. But the problem is he can't play striker because he can't hold the ball up. He was awful again today. I mean, he scored the goal from the penalty. But that should worry Man United fans. Like, if I'm a Man United fan, it worries me that a guy, Marcus Rashford, who's heading into basically what is what is now his ninth first-team season, there hasn't been a season where... Jarajo is giving you the tactical discipline. So, because, by the way, that's a choice, right? That's a decision you make. It's, a, it's You infuse it into your character. Are you going to drop? Are you going to be tacti- tactically disciplined? Because discipline is a choice. I'm not a neuroscientist. I don't know whether discipline is something you can be genetically born with or you can have genes that have a propensity towards following rules. 
or neurological makeup. But Marcus Rashford is tactically an absolute disaster. Then he doesn't pass, all right? So he doesn't pass, and then he doesn't score enough goals to justify him not doing those things. Listen, we can all be honest. I'll speak as a guy. If your girlfriend or your partner is good looking, right, and you manage to, you, you're going to let her get away with more. It's just the game we play. It, it's the world we live in, guys. Good looking people get away with more, right? Marcus Rashford thinks he's a model that should be Victoria's Secret, but actually he's just an Instagram baddie. Really, that's what's going on here. Marcus Rashford is, he's not very good. And, and I'm talking about by elite standards. He, he's just not very good. Like if you watched the Man United game, you watched Manu today. It's like, oh, there's a, there's a complete footballer. He's 19 years old or 18 years old. Barely played. He played in probably the most difficult position to play in outside of striker. I would say strike is the most difficult. Uh, listen, here's the rule, right? Uh, we, we all knew this when we played football. The better you are, the further up the pitch you play. But as the brains of the operation, Manu was playing the number six role, and I thought he was terrific today. But, but for an 18-year-old, obviously he's not Paul Scholes or Michael Carrick. Now, that would be asking too much. But I thought to myself, oh, this is what a polished footballer looks like. Marcus Rashford is giving the ball away so often. And he's not doing anything spectacular. And it's not like he's a freak of nature athletically. Like he's quite quick. But he's not great in the air. To me, it's I'm starting to wonder, like, what is Marcus Rashford excellent at? He's a very, very good guy. Like, that, that that's clear. I mean, sounds like he cheated on his girlfriend. But that doesn't make you a bad person, you know. Unmet needs will be met. But... But what's he outstanding at? And that should worry Man United fans. Like, Garnacho is polished. Tactically, he tucks in, drops back, and then going forward, it's almost like, oh, he's got a little bit about him. But, but in fact, we'll, we'll accept a little bit less going forward because he's giving so much protective cover to his left back. So it should, it's really worrying. I think Ganacho, and I'm saying, I'm saying Ganacho now, as the modern day complete winger, is better than Marcus Rashford has ever been. Don't worry about outcome. Listen, Darren Bent scored goals. If you stay by the goals for long enough, you're going to score goals. Michu scored goals. That side of things can happen. And he plays at Man United. Like Marcus Rashford should be scoring way more goals. But I'd love to know what people think about Marcus Rashford. What is he giving you that is elite? Tell me anything. Because he's not an elite athlete either. And he's quite injury prone. Love to know. MKT inspires. Am I crazy to say Ganacho now is a better player than Marcus Rashford has ever been? Because I don't think Marcus Rashford has developed since the very first day he kicked a football for Manchester United. His only trick is cut inside and shoot. Marcus Rashford's decision-making is horrendous. Look how much he gives the ball away. And, and the other thing about him is people say, yeah, but he's a dribbler. But I've seen Jeremy Doku at Man City. 
He doesn't give the ball away. You, in fact, if anything, Doku's a magnificent dribbler, but Doku's big thing is actually what I've seen for someone so young who could be brash about it is an outstanding decision maker. Jack Grealish, what's evolved about him? He's a better decision maker at Man City. That's why he starts under Pep. The modern day winger, Mo Salah, good decision maker. And and people say Mo Salah's selfish. He is, but he gets you 25 goals a Premier League season. And in order to do that, you've got to be making good decisions more often than not. Sadio Mane, good decision maker. Like, unless Rashford's giving me 15 and 10 every season, so 15 goals, 10 assists, but, but I need that for six seasons in a row, what is he actually doing? He's not tracking back. He's not scoring goals. He doesn't make the team better. He doesn't link up play. He doesn't come inside and, and join the, the number 10 or Bruno to, to, to build up play. He, he doesn't make good decisions. He turns the ball over so frequently. Is Hanajo better than Rashford? MKT inspires MKT at the MKT show. I'd love to know your thoughts on Marcus Rashford. I watched today. He played on the right wing. He was an absolute disaster. And then, here's what I don't like, by the way. I don't know why we're going here. I cannot stand this narrative that sportsmen and women are getting bullied. Shut your mouth. You, You are millionaires. Everyone gets treated like you do. And is not millionaires. People at work every single day are in the cauldron getting bullied. And I say this as somebody who protects sportsmen and women. And I say, listen, there's more people that can be surgeons than can be the left wing for Man United. But I cannot stand Marcus Ratford sulking, like not celebrating and boo-hoo, you guys have been so mean to me. If you don't want that pressure, don't be a professional football player. Like, I, I, I genuinely, I'm starting to resent this new generation. And maybe it's because I'm old guy, right? I'm starting to resent, like, Naomi Osaka and Serena Williams got into it for a bit. Like, I'm starting to resent this generation of sports people who think they can only have positive feedback from fans. Like, there was something in the NBA, this guy called Greg Popovich, who's the coach for um, the Suns, Right. He told the crowd to stop booing this guy called Kawhi Leonard, who used to play for the um, for sorry the Spurs, uh, San Antonio Spurs, was shooting, and and the fans were booing. And this guy, Greg Popovich, who's, who's like a legendary, so sort of legendary, iconic coach, got to the mic and told the fans to stop booing. And I was like, who is this guy? What? Who are you to tell fans how to behave? I mean, that is like scary dictator vibes. Like not only do you have to pay to be here, not only am I a millionaire because of you people who watch and subscribe and and follow our great sport. Greg Popovich thinks he can now tell the patron how to feel about players. This idea that sportsmen and women need to be treated with cotton gloves because they're under pressure. I'm like, what are you talking about? People in real life are under pressure. You're having a laugh out there. And I defend sportsmen and women all the time. But I'm not going to have this Marcus Rashford sulking. So if you haven't seen it, go and see him score the penalty. And basically, Dallow has to tell him to go celebrate. Because it's been tough for Rashford. But you know why it's tough? You're playing like absolute hot garbage. And and you've been playing like that for 18 months. And you're the highest paid player at the world's biggest 
marketing brand that is Manchester United in the world. It, it is easily the biggest football brand in the world. Why is he sulking? See, this is the thing about leadership. People like Marcus Rashford, he'll say, oh, look how good I am in the community. But, but that's just one part of it, right? Is when there's vitriol, leaders absorb that, right? This one coach I had, because I quite like leadership and I, I admire great leaders. She always used to say to me, listen, if you want to lead, when you win, you give credit to the team. When you lose, it's your fault. That's what leadership is. You, you, you do the dirty stuff in the change room. You've got a, a change room to talk to your team, to inspire your team, to galvanize your team, to get people in order. But especially in public-facing forums, when you win, it's the team. When you lose, it's you. But Marcus Rashford having a full-on Naomi, like Naomi Osaka, I cannot stand. I, I just, I, I cannot. Like, we are so diametrically opposed as people, just like, wah, all the time. I, I just, I can't stand people who cry. Like, whatever. I, like, there's a certain age where you need to grow up. Just, just get it together. But this idea, because you're public, your life's harder. Your life is not... It's not hard at all. Nobody gets away with more than sportsmen and women and actors and actresses. And it, it, you also hear it in like the the actors and, you know, that, that Hollywood world where actors and actresses are feeling sorry for themselves about how hard it is to be famous. Like, don't be famous then. Like, you, you can quit, by the way. You can be Keanu Reeves and, and Daniel Day-Lewis and just live on a farm and nobody knows who you are. The whinging of these, like millionaires, oh my Christ alive. Marcus, I'm starting to lose it with Marcus Rashford as well and for him. Like, dude, stop sulking. There's nothing more revolting than people who sulk. You're allowed to go through every emotion in life, right? When when the world's on top of you. But if you want to be the captain and and the face of Manchester United, get it together. Or play better. Or go, like, you know what? Maybe we need to face it. Dude should be playing at Everton. Like, the way Marcus Rashford has been playing the last 18 months. I'm sorry, he does not make any of the top eight teams. And then if he wants to sulk, just leave the spotlight, dude. Just leave the spotlight. No one forces Naomi Osaka and Serena Williams and all of these celebrities who whinge about how hard it is to be famous. Right? No one's forcing you to do this job. I think it's a patronizing to people. And I'm not going to say, I'd love to get to a place where I can complain about that. But you just don't understand the trappings of fame. Like, what are we doing? What, What are we actually talking about? What are we talking about? So, Marcus Rashford, go cry in a lake, bro. Like, geez, get over yourself. Maybe Rashford and Naomi Osaka should get married and just sulk and cry together in a dark room every day. Oh, my Christ. Maybe I'm wrong, yeah? I don't don't know, but I get the feeling that celebrities and sportsmen and women think their lives are harder than the general working man and woman who not only is under the same pressure, earns, and quite rightly, by the way, sportsmen and women are adequately or underpaid even if they're earning £350,000 a week, because that is the backbone of capitalism. 
The demand for them is high. The supply is low. Less than 0.01% of the world can perform that level for nine months a year. Cool. We accept that. Don't whinge. What is the old adage? To whom much is given, much is expected. Can't have it. Can't have it. All right. Love to know your thoughts. Um, another whinging thing I had to talk about. Touch on this quick. The C- CSA, Cricket South Africa, complaining about an article. Like, what, what are we doing? And listen, I've worked with Cricket South Africa. I've actually made a conscious decision to try and not get involved with them. But the way it works in South Africa is... There's basically three people who own our entire sports ecosystem and their own. So you've got to work with everyone, right? Like, it's all funded by two companies, to be completely honest, in South Africa. I don't need to say who it is. If you're smart enough, you kind of know. And <laughs> Cricket South Africa is depressing. It's not as depressing as Bafana Bafana, but it's pretty depressing. Um, and I've worked with them. But then the all-time low was now Enoch Nguyen complaining about uh, old, what's his name, Ryan Frieda, um, writing that article about the the failure of the Proteus. And the tone, essentially, of... So, so the CSA, Cricket South Africa, sent an article. They wanted to have a rebuttal to Ryan Frieda's um, article. And I just thought to myself, you know, amateur and comrade... That sounds. It sounds so, like in my country, I live in South Africa. It's. I also understand the context of the thinking. It's just like, you, essentially, I can't speak for other people, but where I'm from, my father and my mother are from like rural South Africa, where when the man, where the men talk, they decide for the village, right? That that's just the patriarchal model, and it almost sounds like Enoch wants to run the CSA, like he's the chief of the village and no one should question and i thought to myself why are you even spending time on that because i'll I'll be completely honest with you nobody would have been upset if the proteas lost but if there was a forecast for south african cricket locally and internationally where we went yo it's just felt so slick over the last two years but it's been quite the opposite listen don't think Quinton de Kock and these guys retiring, unretiring. Like, I know some of the stories. Please don't think that's, <laughs> that's not, a, a, like, linked to the leadership. I know what's going on there. It's a complete and utter farce. Then to have the time to release a statement and want to release an article. Firstly, when you open that door as institutions and you want to start responding to, to journalists, you are dead. You are absolutely finished. It's not about so much that the Prote is lost. It's that everything feels amateurish. And this was just the last straw. I just thought, oh my God, you, you are so useless at your job. Like imagine, imagine the CEO of, of BlackRock. Imagine Jeff Bezos. Like imagine Elon Musk. Every article that was written against him was replying. Imagine, like, people don't like him. Imagine Donald Trump took the time to have his PR team write an article to the New York Times every time they slated him. What are we talking? Of course they wouldn't. They're busy focused on what they're supposed to be doing. What you're supposed to be doing is running South African cricket 
and ensuring that there are streams to make the proteas. Number one, the most highly functional cricket business in the world, right? Ipso facto, the best operation there can be. But then also you need to make sure that the system will keep feeding the players through the system and producing the players. You're not doing any of that and the proteas are, are, are losing. And again, it's the syndrome of like, we're famous, you don't understand pressure. And then there was a tone where it, it, some of the some of his the letter was revealed or, or the, the proposed article was revealed where he said, he, he was saying Ryan Freire doesn't know the pressures of being an international sportsman and achieving semi-final is no small feat. The last thing we want to hear as fans, the last thing people want to hear is you patting yourself on the back. Nobody wants to hear how difficult it was to get to the semi-final. Australians don't care how, how hard it was to get to the final. Did you win or not? Because well tried is for grade 9 and Montessori and when you're building up the ethos of a human being, that's for well tried. Amateur sport. Club sport. Fine. Well tried. I get it. School sport. That's where we go, okay, well done. What are the ethos? Shake the people's hands after the game. International football, international rugby, international cricket, baseball, I want to win. It's ideal if, and listen, it's very difficult to get to the very top, especially in modern day living where everything is seen to be just like a like a monstrously terrible person. It's very difficult to make it to the top of a sporting industry now without being a high-level guy because the science is quite clear now. Better people make better players. They just do. There's, it's too difficult now. It's too specialized. Whether the person is viewed as good in, in normal public, but you've got to be a high-character person to put in the work to be a springbok to be in the NFL, to play for the All Blacks. Like, these are not people that are mucking around. Like, you're you're training for six, seven years before you get in that jersey. And then when you're in that jersey, you're training even harder for those next 10 years to stay in that jersey. You've got to be a high-level person. So, we don't need to hear how, how challenging and how difficult it is for the CSA to build a team that goes to the semifinals. That's your job. Why should I care? Why do you want praise for doing your job? My father always used to say, the world is a better place when people do what they're supposed to do. He always used to say that to us. He always used to say, the world is a better place when people do what they're supposed to do and they don't expect credit for it. That's my old man. He, and it's, got, it's one of his Gospels. He, t- he tells the whole family, everyone knows, the world is just a better place when people do what they're supposed to do and they don't expect credit for it. Because that's high level. That's when we, you never hear the CEO, like, or, unless I miss it. And I read the, like the Financial Times. I read all these magazines. I, I'm, I'd like to think I'm quite a driven person. So I'll be honest, I, I like reading about CEOs and their career journeys and and these people that are that are making twenty, thirty million dollars a year, because I'd like to be one of those people one day. And I've never heard the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase saying, "You know, for all the critique we've had, 
the CEO of Standard Chartered, for all the critique we've had, I just no, nobody can tell you the difficulty of getting through Columbia Business School and then doing my PhD and then having to have a 15-year career where I'm working 10 hours a day for 15 years and Saturdays with no breaks. Nobody can tell you how difficult that is. I've never heard that. I've never, I, I genuinely, I've never heard Elon Musk telling people just how nobody can understand how difficult it was to, to build Tesla. I've, I've never heard it. Maybe they have said it. Maybe these people are whinging and saying just the pressures of being the CEO of CNN, the Turner Group. is like nobody understands how difficult it is. Maybe they are saying it somewhere. But I just haven't heard it. I, I haven't heard Warren Buffett say that. Like I haven't heard Warren Buffett say, although he was born really on third base. I mean, he, he was born kind of rich. So he, he's not the best example. He was born extremely wealthy, by the way. Sorry. He, he just took over his family business and t- t- took it to another level, which whatever, he gets credit for that. But maybe Warren Buffett's a bad example. But but you get what I'm saying. Like the the dean of Harvard, the, the, whoever the whoever the like the head dean, whoever the head honcho at Harvard, I, I never hear that bloke going, oh, you know, just if put, put yourself in my shoes for one day. Why is Enoch Nguyen doing that? Why is Cricket South Africa a bloody defunct malpractice doing that? Like, come on, man. Come on. It, it's, it's revolting. If you support cricket in South Africa, which I do, and, and then now we're going to have, what, two tests against India. I'm like, okay, well, let's not even open that can of worms. Like, what a bunch of knobs, these guys. What a bunch of knobs. What a bunch of losers. And I will not accept the South African narrative of well tried. I won't have it. I will not accept mediocrity as being okay. I won't have it. I, I just will not have it. And it's not about the outcomes. The processes are clearly broken. I'm a process-driven person. Sometimes Australia are the world champions. They were just better than you on the day. Fair dinkum. Fair dinkum. If you leave it all out there and you really have a go, which South Africa didn't bowl terribly, batter terribly, fair dinkum. But I'm not having my life so hard at the CSA when you are doing, you are doing, you're doing a, a horrendous job by three out of ten mediocre like unsophisticated market Africa standards. Like that's how bad the CSA is. Oh my God. And then they're having a whinge and then they're putting together articles. So I thought that was really in poor taste. There's nothing to defend. You're a bunch of losers who are, who are running this institution into the ground. You need serious people. Like if you want to do great things, you got to have serious people. You know, Mkwe is not serious. Come on. Come on. Springboks is a serious place. Eh? Rusty Erasmus is a serious dude. That's a serious guy. That, that's a guy who's serious. I worked, I worked with Rusty on his documentary. He's a serious guy. This is not a guy who's mucking around. I got to work with him. I, uh, he's obsessive. Rusty's obsessive. We were getting phone calls as a part of that docky at like 3 a.m. Changes this, do that. And then you saw, oh, this is somebody who is obsessed with everything. Every detail. He sweats it. 
CSA. What a joke. MKT at the MKT show. Otherwise, MK, MKT inspires. Hit me up on the socials. Your thoughts on Cricket South Africa and where we are headed. I'm worried. I'll be honest with you. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm big time worried. I'm not worried about Bafana Bafana anymore. They they failed. That's failed. Like for the rest of my life, it, it's so broken there. South African football will never come back. And not in my lifetime anyway. I've got hopefully another 40, 50 years. I won't see a South Africa, a, a successful South African football team in my time. This is, it's not a serious place. But the cricket, come on, guys. All right. I want to, I had a realization yesterday. Let's touch on why Liverpool are so good again so quickly. I was watching the Liverpool-Man City game with some friends. And I thought, how has Jürgen turned this around so quickly? It's crazy. Because at the beginning of the season, I thought, you know, it's incredible what he's doing. I, I really, I thought it was incredible. But, but before I get to that, actually, let me tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. And then we'll get into that. So we'll get into where I was right, where I was wrong. Then we'll get into why Liverpool are so good again so quickly. Okay, so so every week, every Monday, I tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. Because I make a big call, you know what I mean? Got to make a big call. Got to be aggressive out there. Got to play shots in the power play, or so to speak. So uh, here we go. This is where I was right. This is where I was wrong. Uh, we'll start off with where I was right. Trent Alexander-Arnold, by the way, is an awful right back. I saw... Gary Neville saying he could be as good as he could be the greatest he has the tools to be the greatest right back ever I'm like what is this guy talking about what he'd have to firstly he'd have to have a career where he scores as many goals as Danny Alves who I don't think is better than Cafu but both of those guys could defend by the way in fact they were defenders first and then were I would argue Danny Alves was better going forward now Trent is he going to score more goals throughout his career we'll see but why is that useful? You can't be the greatest right back ever if you can't defend. Cafu and Danny Alves were sensational going forward and they could defend. Like Panucci could defend, whip a great ball in. Gianluca Zambrotta could defend and whip a ball in. So what are we talking about here? I was right, Trent is terrible. 11 times Doku took him on, nine times he went past him yesterday. And, and it's it's just so obvious. Isolate him one-on-one. And that's all she wrote. Just because he scored the goal, like, that's not the whole performance. It's kind of like Marcus Rashford. Rashford played terribly against Everton. Scored a goal. Well, what does that mean? This isn't FIFA. We're in real life here. We're also watching. Trent, I was right. He's a terrible, terrible right back. Don't know what Jürgen's going to do there. Um, but they're making it work. Um, where I was wrong, Virgil van Dijk is not finished. He's back. And they are humming. He's back. He's proper. He's what we call in South Africa stop nonsense. He's been absolutely unbelievable this season, and Liverpool are back. He's a one. He really is a freak of nature. Athletically, he's massive and he's so quick and so nimble. I was wrong. Virgil Van Dijk. He's back, and Liverpool are on fire. Um, where I was right. VAR. I called it when it came out. I said part of part of the philosophy, part of the sort of woven into the philosophy and ethos of football the ebb and and flow of football is such a unique part of football it's part of why we become entranced 
right? That momentum. It's unspoken, but you can feel it. Every football fan knows when their side's on top and it's three shots in a row and then there's the big cheer, come on. And then that keeps going and then it's a throw in and then your guys pump the crowd up and, and you keep going. But outside of that is VAR is ruining the television product. In the Everton Man United game, they took six and a half minutes for two offside decisions. What are we doing? Football is a game and passion has to be raw and unadulterated. When every time we have to check it, it's not real passion anymore. And we can't, listen, once we lose pure passion in football, we're going to have a problem. And part, and, and then in the, on the business side is they're affecting the viewing part of things now. It's just a crap TV product. I was right, VAR is killing the ebb and flow of football. And that is football secret sauce over every other sport the up and down nature of it for 90 minutes uh, where I was wrong Spurs Miss Kane I said Son could fill in but my god were they wasteful against Aston Villa Harry Kane's there they, they're 3-0 up in 15 minutes and the game's over that's see that's where you realise oh that's why that's the most difficult position Spurs miss Harry Kane I was dead wrong they lost to Villa they should have been 3-0 up in 15 minutes if you didn't watch the game so wasteful but son just can't occupy that position where you got to be harry kane rude van Nistelrooy, these great strikers it's not a mistake it's a skill they're always in the right place i was wrong they miss him they lost spurs or spurs uh, where i was right chelsea out of the top four i said it a couple of weeks ago i've seen enough of it uh, they lost to newcastle again um for one it's messy it's messy. It's a mess. We'll talk a little bit about why in a little bit. But they're they're not making top four. Forget it. Chelsea fans, uh, forget it. I, I would have loved it if it was true, but it's not. Uh, where I was wrong, Arsenal are a top four. Are, are top four material. They're top of the league now. They've played thirteen games, thirty points, top of the league, and they're having a laugh because they're top of the league and they're having a laugh. I was wrong. Arsenal are going to make the top four. They're proper. Arteta's got them humming. They'll definitely be in the top four. They won't win the league because they're Arsenal. Um, but, but they're proper. They're real deal. They're back in the top four now. And if they can keep building from here, it'll be some job by Mikel Arteta over the last four years. It'll be some job. And I was wrong. And ladies and gents, that is where I was right. That is where I was wrong. MKT inspires. MKT at the MKT show. Would love to hear your thoughts. Where I was right. Where I was wrong. All right, let's move on. Um, and talk about why Liverpool is so good again. Um, I was watching that Liverpool-Man City game with some friends and I really, I did think, my God, they've got so many injuries. They've turned over. Sadio Mane, Bobby Firmino, um, Thiago's injured. You know, they've really reshuffled. Robertson, who's been arguably, of, of the Jürgen era, you could argue between Mo Salah and um, Robertson, they've been the two best players. Right, I I would argue, obviously Salah he, he he's the king, but Robertson's just been sensational, and and now for to Gary Neville's point, I don't know what he was talking about. Is Robertson is what you're supposed to be because Robertson still gives you the stuff going forward, by the way, but it's 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 a lockdown, it's a shutdown on the left. Why are Liverpool so good again so quickly? You know, Chelsea have spent a billion in twelve months. 13 games in, 16 points. They're mid-table. They, they're literally mid-table in 10th place. 
Liverpool have reshuffled. You know, lost Henderson. There's captain inspirational. Mane, Firmino out. Thiago's injured. Robertson's injured. 13 games in, 24 points. They're in the title race. And the talent gap, if you're, if you're being honest, the talent gap isn't massive. So what is the difference? Because it's not the talent. The talent gap, I'd even argue Chelsea, in terms of talent across the board, might have a little bit more from back to front. So it's not about the talent, but what is the difference? The difference is stability. You know, yesterday I was talking to somebody who, yeah, I met a really, really cool guy. Or it wasn't yesterday. Whenever Liverpool played City, we were sitting around at the bride, the barbecue, the barbie, since uh, people are moving around the world. And he said to me, stability comes from looking at his wife and thinking about where they've been together, the struggles they've had together. You know, and he said he said something amazing to me. He said, you know, as he sees himself as a man, he thinks, if I've been through all those struggles with her, and he was telling me how poor they were when they started as a couple, they, 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 they both don't come from wealthy families, but they had nothing when they started. And he's not an old guy. He's like, you know, he's in his 30s like I am. But he, he was looking at his relationship. He's, he's nine years into marriage. And he said, what gives him stability is the struggles he's had with his wife, and they've got a beautiful family now um, with two kids. The struggles he's had with his wife up until this point, nine years into marriage, is it makes him feel stable that, okay, wait, if I can come through with this woman nine years, get to where I am now with her, start where we started, and look what we've built, bought a couple of properties, and and built a life for themselves. You know, he said they're not like exceedingly wealthy, but they've bought, they've built a life for themselves, and the family, the nuclear, the, um, the nucleus family is is super tight, you know? He said to himself, here's where he gets his stability. If I can go through all of that with her and, and get to where I am now, because he never imagined himself being like he is now in terms of, he says, where could we go in the next nine years? And that stability, that, that, that ability to think in a space where he knows there is that to go back to gives him the stability to, to you know, to make those quantum leaps, as he said. He said, you, you get those small wins and then when you've got stability, you can make quantum leaps. And I loved what he was saying because it's so applicable to Liverpool. It's so applicable. We're in, we're in year eight now, right? Jürgen's done the ugly work. He's gotten through the days where you guys are skimping. You can't afford Netflix. You, you, there, there's no, you know, you've got to check prices when you go grocery shopping. You don't have a property. You're renting. It's too small. You've got a baby on the way. How are you going to? You're borrowing money from your parents for nappies. Jürgen's done all of that. Jürgen's clearly the boss. Nobody doubts that. The Liverpool players know their players. The fans are with Klopp. Right? So the new players that have come in have no choice, but you're fitting into what I, what I think culture is repeated behavior. You're fitting into repeated excellence. You're fitting into a culture of repeated excellence. And I thought, it's on display right now. They've done the ugly stuff. Man City, an an all-time, probably the best Premier League uh, team of all time, are on fire right now. And Liverpool went toe-to-toe and could have won. 
And I thought it's impossible. A year ago, Firmino, Mane, it was all falling apart. But the board, the director of football, Jurgen Klopp, they're all on the same page. And it's very, very clear what, the, what we do here is we are excellent. Anybody who comes to Liverpool needs to be excellent. The football is going to be excellent. But can you be excellent as a human being when you come here? How much are you willing to sacrifice? And I thought it was absolutely, it's been stunning for me to watch. And Chelsea have to be willing to let somebody, whether it's Pochettino or as Chelsea fans, as the Chelsea board of directors, the sacking has to stop. Roman Abramovich is once in a lifetime. That level of autocratic leader where he's got it by, by the throat, it's very unique. It's very unique where it doesn't matter who the manager is or who the management is. Like, Roman ran the place. Like, we get that. It was the Roman Empire. We get that. But Todd Bully's not that. Todd Bully's got the LA. He's got stuff going on in LA. He's got over a trillion dollars that he's looking after. Like, he's doing a lot. He, he's busy. Roman wasn't busy. This was my thing. This was, he, Roman's already made his money. He doesn't need to worry about Gazprom and all that nonsense. Chelsea was his thing. So it was clear who was the boss there. It was clear what the culture was. And he, and he could run it. He was hands-on. But Chelsea have to be willing to evolve out of that now. It's 2023. It is not the Roman Empire anymore. They have to be willing on the football side to let somebody build a new culture because that old culture's gone. Michael Emiliano, he's gone. All of those guys who built the, the, the dynasty, just the footballing IQ is gone. There's been a brain drain. You must also remember that Chelsea have suffered a tremendous brain drain. All of those guys gone. Marina, she's gone. Bruce Buck, he's gone. The, the, Bruce Buck built, literally 2003 arrived, he built the Roman Empire. Along with Roman. Remember, he helped with the acquisition and then Bruce Buck was brought in as the chairman. And he oversaw what has been the most successful team in the last 20 years. So you've got to think to yourself, that intelligentsia is gone. Liverpool have spent the last eight years building that culture and letting Jürgen run the football side. Listen, I always say this. When I became stable in my life, I started to win. Stability is the bedrock of success. Chelsea is not a stable environment. It's not a talent problem. I'll tell young people this all the time. Pick your management wisely because there are very few. I would say, I don't know this to be a, to be a fact in terms of the, the numerical representation. I don't know whether it's less than 1%. But let me say, I've never met anybody in my life. I've never met anybody in my life who's talented enough to overcome chaos. I've never met anybody who can just go and... Some people can go and work anywhere. Like, Ronaldinho could play for any club at his peak. It wouldn't matter. Like, he's Ronaldinho. It was clear at PSG what, we, what, we, <laughs> what we're dealing with here. This very... Paul Gascoigne, for all of his foibles, Diego Maradona... They were playing, I mean, Paul Gascoigne was playing at Rangers. He was still one of the best players in the world. He was at Spurs, one of the best players in the world. He was drinking, he was pop drunk every day, but could overcome that chaos just because he was 
just this mercurial godlike talent. But that's there's never been Paul Gascoigne again. There's never been, you know, I mean, Leo Messi came into his structure, but there's never been Diego Maradona again. Like, Ronaldinho was once. That was once. Forget it. You're not seeing another Ronaldinho. People cannot overcome chaos and succeed. It's just not what it is. I tell young people all the time, be very careful choosing money over leadership. Liverpool have got it right right now. The structure's right, and they are the most important thing in the world. They are stable. Well done to Klopp. Well done to Liverpool. They're doing a sensational job. You've got to be honest. But I believe the only reason Liverpool are good is not a talent thing. I don't think they've got the best players. But the system and the stability that they've got. Because now they can just act with clarity. They can just be demanding to anyone who comes in there. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal job. Stability is the first step to success, people. Stability is the first step to success. Makes me sick as a Chelsea fan, but you've got to put in another two, three years. That's just what it is. And also, you're going to have to remember the other thing about football is it doesn't always work. The play, these are human beings. These are human beings. Talent doesn't matter that much. Everyone's talented at that level. Do they have the character to stay in there? I don't like it when people say it's easy to play in great teams. I say it's harder to play in those teams because harder those better players are more demanding. Better coaches are more demanding. You know why Pep Guardiola has to coach the best players in the world? Right? Because better players are more demanding. And the best players in the world need Pep as well. You can't have Sean Dyche coaching Jack Grealish. I've always said a nine has to date a nine. The gap between those two will eventually reveal itself when the tension comes. The reason for that is Pep Guardiola understands he's got the wherewithal, he's got the ego as well to deal with Jack Grealish, to deal with Leo Messi. It doesn't work otherwise. There's a reason why these guys get the relegation jobs and Rafael Benitez is managing Real Madrid and Carlo Ancelotti is managing Real Madrid. It's why Carlo Ancelotti didn't work at Everton. Because Carlo Ancelotti has expectations and Everton couldn't match those. So he probably thought, oh, I'm here to manage. But why aren't the players here excellent? Why do I have to coach? What are we doing? What are we doing? So it's a magnificent, magnificent thing. Stability is a magnificent, magnificent thing. Love to hear your thoughts. Shout out to Liverpool. MKT inspires. Otherwise, MKT at the MKT show. Look out for some um, for some stuff. I, I don't know if we're going to get to announce what I, what I want to announce um, in December. Might be January, February. Um, dotting some I's, crossing some T's. But I'm looking forward to sharing... Uh, 2024 is going to be an incredible year. I've just finished up some planning for next year. It is going to be... If if even just two of the goals come off, next year is going to be the biggest year of my life. And this year was the biggest year of my life already, professionally. But next year, we're looking to crank it up. Anyway, that's like, who cares? Right, as I said earlier, no one. Uh, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm not saying, oh, yo, dog, I'm crying, and you, y'all don't understand. 
I mean, without people listening to this podcast, I actually wouldn't have some of the opportunities I've had. I've had to present the numbers from the podcast and the journey of the podcast to some people in the United States of America. And they liked what they saw. So thank you to everyone who listens. Uh, If you are in America, happy Thanksgiving. Still don't really know what you're giving thanks for, but, you know, shout out. We have to say it. Like, I'm compelled to say it, even though though I wouldn't usually say it. But, but, (laughs) like, I've got a growing profile now, so I have to... I have to appease the politically correct. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, World poverty. Uh, If I skipped any out, like I meant it, you know. Get out of here. This show's never going to become that. You know, I I also did say that. Like, I don't expect, I don't want anybody who want. I don't want to work with anybody who expects this particular platform. I'm happy to do it on your platforms. This show's not going PC. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. Go live your own life. And go whinge. Go, get a get a girlfriend or a boyfriend if you want to whinge. The, this podcast is about sports and and listening and me talking. But on a very serious note, I I am super grateful because without people that listen to the show, um, I, I wouldn't. The World Cup thing opened up some opportunities, but this show is actually the bedrock of why I'm getting these opportunities um, possibly next year. So shout out to all of you who have um, listened from the beginning. Even when I stopped and I came back, more people came. So please do like, share, subscribe wherever you are. If you think somebody might like this, keep sharing, keep spreading the love because every listener for me as an independent um, content creator matters. Um, and that's that's all I'd ask, you know, just keep sharing. If, if you don't like the show, I also get that. Don't listen. That's cool. You have other options. There's lots of great, lots of great podcasts out there, lots of people doing great stuff if you do like the show appreciate you thanks for sharing and ladies and gentlemen my name is mkt this has been the mkt show and for now i am the hell out of it